What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn some new tricks and to find a better way. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. And here in Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Ray. How's it going, Dan? Super good. How are you? Uh, doing all right. Um, you know, I've got this uh, this new venture yes. that uh, I've kicked off and um, have done a little bit of business and have a little more in the pipeline, and I'm winding down uh, affairs at my uh, my current job. Good. And um, yeah, just trying to I'm trying to keep positive uh, in the face of this kind of scary new uh, realm. That really is the crucial thing, you know. Um, it's it's uh, uh, it's bizarre to not have a like a job to go to for me. I, it's very strange, and um, it really that it, fundamentally it all comes down to whether I can keep my head head on straight about it because it's um, really easy to make a couple of phone calls and then just sit and binge watch. Uh, um, done with the office now, um, but you know <laughs> various things. Um, we plowed through the IT crowd recently. That's a good one. That's good. Oh, oh! Since we're talking about TV shows, there's yeah. a there's a British TV show on Netflix called W One A, which is like Arrested Development meets Better Off Ted, but set in the BBC. Okay. So it's um, they've just hired this guy who was the head of the Olympic Committee in 2012 for mm-hmm. London um, as the BBC's new head of values, and nobody quite knows what that means, and he doesn't know what that means, and it's placed just totally. Um, the, the, there are every character has sort of content-free verbal ticks mm-hmm. that um, there'll be a five-minute scene of a meeting, and literally that's all anyone says is their thing that means nothing, and, and by the end of the meeting, nothing has happened, and I'm just like, oh my god, I've sat in that. It's, it's yeah. hilarious. More funny than than that description makes it sound like. I, I well, it. all you had to say is better off Ted. That was like that's, one of the, that's one of those yeah. really just underappreciated shows. I thought was fantastic. Seriously. Yeah, uh, I pretty much always feel like I'm either in the middle of a better off Ted rewatch or it's time for better off Ted rewatch. Yeah, Portia de Rossi was like just crushingly good in that show. God, they all were. They all were. It was amazing. Anywho. So yeah, um, you had a couple of things you wanted to talk about, and I just wanted to uh, share something that happened in our uh, local scene recently that I thought would uh, provide an interesting bit of context uh, to things. So why don't sure. you go ahead and kick it off? Well, so uh, last weekend we gigged twice. Uh, we played on Friday night at um, Sawmill 2, which is a place we've been at a bunch of times, mm-hmm. and then Saturday night at a brand new venue that's just breaking in music for the first time called Second Green in, in Winston-Salem. Um, and uh, an interesting thing happened at the Sawmill show. Um, uh, the last time we were there, we had um, some kind of mix problem. The vocals were were muddy and unclear, and I just got a ton of feedback from the people about that. They loved us, but you know, it was kind of a love, loved you but sort of thing. And so I went in this time, like making sure my my mix was beautiful, and it was. And the feedback I got was, "Hey, it's so much better than last time." So. <laughs> I guess that's good, but I'd like to not be the band that's better than last time, right? I'd like just to be yeah. reliable. So we're working on that. Um, but I went into that gig. So that that crowd is older. Um, the bar's owned by two women in their 60s, and um, they're adorable and fantastic. And, um, you know, uh, but it's an older crowd, but very game. You know, we, we throw yeah. shut up and dance at them and they party and, you know, whatever. Um, but one of the <laughs> one of the pieces of advice that didn't record when I talked to my friend Danny Skeel a few weeks mm-hmm. ago uh, about we were talking about that venue and older crowds in general. He said that they take their whole show about five BPM slow. Interesting in, in that venue uh, because the first time we were there, we did we wore them out. 
We played our normal dance mix at our, its normal energy, and we wore them slap out, and they were done by about halfway through the second set. Um, so this time we just laid it back a little bit. We didn't drop the energy any, but we did drop the tempo and um, and found some new tastiness, some new groove can happen when you're not at, you know, when you back off the tempo a little bit. And uh, in terms of the playing and the feel, boy, it was a great show. It was a great show. Got good feedback, and they want us back on, on the regular, and so all really good there. Um, the second night, the Saturday night was at a brand new place that, um, have you ever played somewhere, Adam, that the, the clientele just completely changes during the night? Like you start with, uh, with run group and then you end with a totally different group. Yeah. And in this case, we started with bikers. We pulled up to load in and the parking lot was full of Harleys. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, we do born to be wild. I mean, we can play to bikers. They, you know, bikers are, you know, as long as you hit born to be wild once they're pretty they're pretty open to other things yeah um but you do have to hit born to be wild once yes um and then by the time we shut it down this was uh seven to eleven this show so very both both of our shows this weekend were very bedtime friendly um by the end of the night it was all millennial hipsters that's a bit of a it's a bit of a split 20 year old partiers and so um so we just felt the night along i mean i'd made a set list that had no idea that that was going to happen and we just sort of felt our way through the evening and it was, it was really great. Um, and one of the things we have added, uh, we have always done like put on this, uh, sort of stage rap battle thing, mm-hmm. um, in the middle of, um, what I got by sublime. Yep. And a couple of shows ago, um, <laughs> Justin had loaded up with Tony on his sampler, a karaoke backing track for, um, gangsta's paradise. Nice. So we're just doing our rap battles over the top of the rhythm section, thumping along. And he turns to Tony and says, all right, man, go. And suddenly it's, you know, that big opening of Gangsta's Paradise. And I literally had to sit down at a table and just hold my head in my hands. He defeated me so thoroughly. That's awesome. Um, so uh, since then, we've, we've both put in additional clips. So at the show on Saturday, I, I did, um, well, on Friday night, I did uh, jump around House of Pain. Yep, and then I added for Saturday night um, low uh, Florida. Um, oh, okay. The right? app, Apple Bottom Jeans. Apple Bottom Jeans, exactly. So, um, so, and by then the crowd was like young and um, diverse, and uh, I mean we killed them with this sort of doing pop rap tunes at each other, um, sort of breakdown medley thing in the middle. So. Um, you know, I just share that because it was—it's such a departure from what a lot of bands are even willing to consider doing. Um, but it really—it really makes um, it, it has become a centerpiece of our show, and it's the thing that people come to see, and it's—it's uh, it's really fun. So uh, it's a good getting outside the box kind of opportunity. Yeah, we're we're having—I'm having a similar kind of uh, conversation around that. Um, the uh, the current job that I am in, I, I work for a church, and. I have a lot of friends who have come to see our shows and like, especially Fanny Pack Friday, they asked a lot, Oh, I'd love to hear you do this song. And I'd love to hear you do this song. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know, there's kind of a, an expectation of, you know, decorum that you wouldn't necessarily like, I wouldn't do certain songs for certain reasons. And when I put my notice in, one of the girls that works there walked up to me and she's like, does that mean that you'll do baby got back now? <laughs> um, I just thought that was an interesting way of saying, I'm going to miss you. Yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, there was a couple of those. Like uh, the other one that I was thinking about was Pony by Genuine, which is a song uh-huh. that I just absolutely love, yeah. but feels super just nasty trying to perform. Of course. But it is kind of in vocally in my sweet spot. And I think it would be, if you could pull it off, it would be, yeah. you could, you could peel the paint off the walls if you did it right. Yeah. Yeah. The one I'm adding um, for this next week, um, just cause I want to make everyone go, huh? Is um, shake it off. Oh yeah. The, uh, the T Swifty song. Yeah. Yeah. Just cause you know, our audience is the girls. So it's true. That is what we are going for. Yeah. So um, I had a uh, an experience. Actually, you know, we were talking about you know you start off with one crowd and end up with another. Yeah. Uh, I had one of those. Uh, I ended up doing a pickup acoustic gig, and I started the evening with uh, families and just people having dinner on a Saturday night at a Mexican restaurant, and I ended the night with nobody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they had me playing till eleven at a you know in in a pretty you know suburban area. And literally I was like playing a song and even the bartenders had left and I was like, I guess I'm done. So that was a, a sobering reminder of, uh, you know, ah, as far especially, especially the bartenders are gone, literally sober. Well, they were closing up, you know, they, they knew what was going on. They had to take, you know, they had to get, get all of their stuff wrapped up before they could head out the door. So right. it was just, uh, <laughs> I was literally halfway through a song and I just stopped playing. I was like, I think I'm done. <laughs> doesn't look like there's much point going on yeah yeah so yeah that was uh that was that was the last uh performance i had um we've got uh a a double header weekend coming up uh the 14th and 15th uh fanny pack friday and then a private event uh both of those with subs on uh bass and drums um i have my uh my first sit down with them on labor day Good. Is it that uh, killer bass sub you had before? No, he um, he was available for one of the dates, but not both. I had already made uh, arrangements with uh, with two other guys, and they're local and aren't playing full time with anybody. So if they end up panning out, they'd be good guys to have. Good. Um, just as a reminder, our drummer uh, had <laughs> spinal surgery. Right. Uh, it actually was this week. Uh, everything went well, and he's home, and you know he's he's very motivated. He'll actually he'll more than likely be at those gigs he just won't be able to play um but yeah we they had picked a sub and they've been trying to work him in and apparently had to have a a come to jesus meeting with him like hey you know you gotta this is you know this is serious stuff and if you want if you want to work you 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 got to show up and you got to be prepared Mm. um he had apparently had a meeting with the drummer our drummer uh to go over some stuff and did not uh was not up to snuff and so I let my guys handle it and they did. And hopefully, you know, we won't have to worry about it. Very good. Delegation. Yes. That's, I'm not very good at that. I'm not good at that at all. So <laughs> I did. I let other people handle it. Good job. So good job. Good stuff. Um, and you've got how many coming up this week? You have another two this week. I'm playing on Saturday night at, um, a place we played before, one of the regular places we are at, and then I'm playing with Viva La Muerte on Sunday afternoon at the Poor House in Raleigh, which I've never been to. Um, gotcha. But it's like a two to five show, and it'll be my first time um, in my role as guitarist. I've subbed with them on bass before, mm-hmm. um, but uh, this will be my first time playing guitar with them. Ooh, speaking of uh, of that, I um <laughs> I have picked up a couple of dates as a sub as well. Nice. I um. 
I've mentioned my uh, my country band Convoy uh, previously. Mm-hmm. That band has mm-hmm. you know pretty much fizzled out. There's not really much going on there. Uh, most of those guys have moved on to another project. It is a Leonard Skinner tribute, mm-hmm. and they need a uh, a Gary Rossington for a couple of dates. So I'm going to uh, strap back in to those bell bottoms, and uh, I've got to learn those <laughs> tunes. All right, good. So I've got another week or so to to start shedding on those. Um, I'm still waiting. Like th- this is one of those things where you kind of need to know what you're supposed to play. Cause there's three guitar players. You don't want to step on people's toes. Right. So I'm still waiting to get some material, uh, to make well, sure that I'm focusing. Was, was the, um, you know, the, the example of how to handle that. Cause they yeah. really, between them and the Eagles, like they really handled the, I see a lot of bands sometimes having even two guitarists just squashing each other, just playing the yeah. same, you know, banging the same chords, the same bar chords or whatever. Um, rather than finding voicings that contribute in different ways and, you know, give, give the guitar a great big full sounds like a guitar section that you got to organize and arrange, you know? Um, yeah, that's, that's one of those things that I've always, you know, have been cognizant of because, you know, I, I, when I, I joined an original group and, you know, you've got to pick those parts out. So, you know, the only time that the guitar, the guitar players would play in unison is when like there was a, something going on that was like really, you know, needed yeah, attention. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise you're off in your own world. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Good stuff. So, you know, I've got to channel my inner hillbilly redneck guitar player. Yep. Good. It's not as easy as doing Keith Richards, but, uh, you know, Gary wasn't, wasn't the, uh, the shredder in the band. So I should, I should be all right. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of, um, of gigs and, and that kind of thing, uh, I wanted to kind of, I want to do it, talk about something that happened in the, uh, in the Atlanta area, uh, this past week that I think is just interesting, um, and, and a great, uh, just indicator of what is possible, um, for, you know, for what it is that we do, you know, we think as cover musicians that we have a certain place to play and a certain um, niche that we fill and that it typically revolves around, you know, smaller capacity venues and certain kinds of events and bars and clubs and that kind of thing. Last week, um, a band that I used to play with called Yacht Rock Review played, they play this event every year. It's called, they call it the Yacht Rock Revival. And, it's kind of morphed over the years. I think this might be the, I can't remember how many they've done at this point, but um, what they've been able to do is they've been able to garner relationships with the original artists who did these kinds of songs. Hmm. So um, what that means is, is, you know, they were covering Robbie Dupree and then Robbie Dupree found out about it and decided that, you know, he would want to participate and do some shows with them. And then Elliot Lurie from Looking Glass kind of picked up and it's, they've gone through all different numbers. Wow. So this is, you know, this, this is a standing event that they've done every year. And this year they played uh, Chastain Amphitheater in the Metro Atlanta area, uh, which Mm -hmm. they've done before. I went to the last one they did at Chastain. Um, They sold it out. A cover band sold out. Wow an amphitheater with a capacity of just under 7,000 people. Jeez. Wow. It's pretty, pretty phenomenal. Especially, I mean, Yacht Rock is, I guess it has its fans. Uh, Obviously, obviously it has its fans, but it's like, for me, that's sort of, um, 
I want to listen to it for an evening, maybe at a, you know, if there was a yacht rock band playing, I'd, I'd hang out. Yeah. But I'm not going to seek it out. I don't think maybe there are those who do. Presumably there are. Well, yeah. At one point, yacht rock review, uh, won an award from like a local magazine. It was the, uh, the best band to get drunk with your dad. (laughs) All right. And I think that was the, uh, I think that's a good way to describe them. Yeah, And totally. they've, they've got a very unique thing. Um, it's a group of really talented guys doing spot on renditions of these songs. Um, and it's, it's tongue in cheek and it's, you know, but everybody's in on the joke. Yeah. Even, even the fact, I, I mean, the fact that the guys who did the actual, you know, the original versions are, are in on it. Um, right. and that's not, that's actually there, they've, there've been some articles around that, that, uh, not everybody's really hip to that, uh, to that idea, um, that it's kind of, you know, schmaltzy and, and, and a bit of a, bit of a lark. Um, but it's just been, it, it's, it's been amazing to see where they've come from because when I was filling in for them, they were playing at this tiny club called 10 high, uh, in the basement of a, of a bar called the dark horse in, in the, uh, Virginia Highlands in, in Atlanta. And that place doesn't have a huge capacity, but for them to start at a place that holds a couple hundred people to sell out a 7,000 seat amphitheater yeah. in, you know, the matter of six or seven years is pretty remarkable. It is. It is. That's great. And so that's just perspective for, for you guys. I know that there, there are other bands out there that are swinging for the fences. Um, Charlie Corton, who, uh, I know has been listening to us, um, has a, a group out of Florida that's doing some crazy like surround sound, uh, seventies psychedelic rock experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. and I know that they just did their first, I think, or their first major ticketed event that looked like it went really well. Um, so if you've got ambition and you've got creativity, there are opportunities to just really crush things. If you, uh, if you keep at it. Sure. Yeah. Great. So, but yeah, I mean that whole them. That's fantastic. Yeah, that organization is just unbelievable. Um, I mean, they basically hire these guys. They've got four hundred one ks. Like it's a like it's a career. It's mm. uh, it's it's amazing. So that's great. That's all. Very Thought good. that was a neat neat story to share. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. Well, I have a couple of things. I have a couple of things. One of which I ran by you before we hit the record button and the other which I forgot to. So I'll start with the one I forgot to. Let's do it. Um, do, do you, does your... Never. Good. It shouldn't. <laughs> um, I'm trying to come up with the right way to formulate this question. Because, you know, first, first of all, I'm curious if we got any feedback from my um, comments about libertarians last week. No. <laughs> okay. That's for the best. Um uh, very much for the best. Yeah. Um, does your band or any of your music projects have a political opinion or position? Absolutely not. Okay. My social okay. media presence really doesn't for that matter. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, um, for sure. The clanky Lincolns are deliberately and explicitly apolitical. Yes. Um, my personal Facebook feed is not, but, um, but so it goes, uh, um, I asked because there is a category of gig that, um, you just have to think about if it's on brand for you. Um, mm-hmm. a friend of mine is organizing, get out the vote for a local candidate and, um, is part of a much bigger, um, 
sort of political um, uh, movement group. Um, not going to trouble anyone with which <laughs> candidate or even what party they're with. But um, the question was, could you know, could we come provide live music for it? And uh, it's um, it's a group that's that's uh, not shy about what side of the spectrum it's on, mm-hmm. and um, and certainly you know it's benefiting a particular candidate. Um, and I had to say, you know, I'm I'm gonna have to, you know, we have to have the Lincoln's pass on that, yeah, uh, because it's just not like I don't want it. I don't want to, especially these days, you know, taking taking any stand on that is such. Uh, it's just it's just a, a self limiting. It's a career limiting move, I think. Agreed. And so um, and so what I what I did say, and then I found out where it is. It's in this tiny little tap room that seats probably forty. Mm-hmm. So um, they have a pretty good patio, but but inside it's not it's not big. And um, and I've actually talked to them, and and they're clear a band wouldn't work there. And I said, you know, I would come do solo acoustic for that as, you know, Dan Ray musician. I'm, I'm happy to take a political stance. It's sure. fine. But, uh, but under the brand, the clink of the I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at that. Uh, um, there are, there are gigs for political events out there that, um, and you know, listen, I think, I think you should be clear that, um, our two organizations not having a political stance doesn't mean you shouldn't. Correct. Uh, plenty of plenty of music groups and artists, and for sure, in like the original music world, it's you know your politics are part of your message. Mm-hmm. Um, where would we be without you know Bob Dylan and uh, you know uh, all of the artists that have moved the world around? You know, um, and for that matter, Ted Nugent. Um, <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a choice that you want to make deliberately. Mm-hmm. Um, the band I was in before the Clinky Lincolns, uh, disaster recovery band, um, was explicitly political. Uh, we played a, um, March for science, which it's a real shame that science is political, but it, yeah, it really doesn't feel like it, it should be. No, but that is the world we live in. Um, like is grammar political? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Nonetheless, it was it was the biggest show that we had played at that time. There were about four thousand people in that plaza, um, and and Viva La Muerte played there. It was where I met them. So mm-hmm. uh, big good things came out of that. But but you know when we looked at that the anniversary of that event, um, both of those bands were going to play again, and I declined because yeah. it's not right for the Clanky Lincolns. No, I feel that um, there's and there's there's multiple schools of thought on, on that whole deal. Um, there are, you know, there, there are certain bands like I, I know for a fact, there's, I mean, there's a number of bands that are in DC who can't afford to, uh, to have those kinds of opinions because if you right. want to play private events and you live in DC, you're, you're playing, you're playing wherever. Yep. Um, and I also have friends who are, uh, specifically political on a certain side that um, have played for uh, now, you know, for for then presidential candidates that they didn't necessarily agree with, but were perfectly fine taking their money. Sure. So there's there's a couple ways of going about that, and it was also one of those things where you know, as a hired gun, you're not hanging your hat on you know on those on, on that kind of stuff. Um, so there's there's plenty of different ways of looking at it. Um, for me. It, 
the the organization that I work for always use this term that it it is uh, it is a bad idea to give up influence unnecessarily. Hmm. So by by taking a particular stand or or addressing certain things on social media or having a certain voice, um, you're giving up influence with people. Yeah. For you know, and and if if you want to reach the the widest group of people and obtain more business, you would be hard pressed to, you know, to go, to go another route because you're going to end up alienating people. And as a business owner, that's the last thing you want to do. Exactly. Exactly. Now it doesn't mean that with your own finances, you don't support uh, causes that, uh, that you believe in. Um, but sure. Or, or even, you know, your, your personal brand can be distinct from your band's brand. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, um, that's legit. That's, that's fine. Um, you know, it's the kind of thing though. you walk into a, when I walk into a, um, place of business or a doctor's office or something and there are TVs up that have, you know, that channel programming on that is purporting to be news, but isn't, um, on either side. Right. I, 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 you know, feel the same way if it's something that I would be leaning toward politically anyway. You know, the, the, the position that is taken by the choice of channel is, um, you know, it just, it's just going to color some people's view of you. Well, yeah, I mean, you are, you are making a statement whether you want to admit it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and feel free to make a statement if that's your choice. Um, and you, there are consequences to the statements we make. Yeah. True that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because it happened this, uh, this week. And, um, so I probably will be doing solo acoustic for that. Um, that'd be fun. Good. The other thing that, that came up, um, actually a couple weeks ago here in my neck of the woods, uh, there is a series of restaurants, uh, the, uh, ch- chain, small local chain of three restaurants that are, well-known, if you live here, you know of them, um, and they do live music, mm-hmm. and it's kind, of, it's kind of a prominent venue. It's um, Mostly, it's prominent because the fact of there being three of them within an hour's drive gives, gives them a lot of inventory, right? Yeah. Um, people, I, I think there probably are people that go there for the music, but that's, it's not, um, I think they're prominent mostly because of the number of dates they have. Sure. Um, they have started a, a policy that if you're going to be playing at one of their places regularly, you may not play at some other places that are nearby. Hmm. And so they're sort of, they're demanding exclusivity of nearby venues. So, and, and the, um, it's interesting that the, the hurdles they put you through, if you're going to play these places, the first place they put you on is Danville, Virginia, which is about an hour north of here. Mm-hmm. And then they put you in the place in High Point, which is a little town kind of halfway between Greensboro and Winston-Salem. And then they put you at the big show, you know, the, the one in Greensboro. Gotcha. And um, each of those has nearby, you know, restaurants that they consider competitors. And um, his justification for doing this is that he doesn't want bands that are overexposed. Okay. So, 
um, this came to my attention because, um, uh, you know, one of these days we'll redo the conversation with Danny Skeel, but this was part of this. He's, he's been dealing with this. He wants to play that place financially makes sense for him to make the choice to take the exclusivity and play that place. Mm-hmm. And so he was looking to replace himself at some other places. And, and, um, we were looking at taking one of those dates, but it turns out we're booked. But anyway, the point is, um, I don't know how I feel about a venue flexing its muscle and demanding booking exclusivity. Um, I do get the complaint about bands being oversaturated, um, but I'm not quite sure this is cool. And I just wanted to bring it up. I just wanted to just just talk it talk it through with you. What, what do you think about that, Adam? Um, so there is a similar uh, set of venues in our area that kind of have that approach. Um, and I've played those venues before in, in certain groups. Um, and the thing about, you know, about that situation is, is that if you're going to take that kind of stand, you better be able to provide, you know, the, uh, the monetary compensation that, you know, that a promise like that provides. Right. Right. Um, and those venues definitely have, you know, a built-in crowd. Um, they are known in the area for, uh, that kind of music. And, and for certain bands, it does make sense to, to go that route. Um, but I've also seen bands that have gotten kind of burned. They were like, you know, you're too busy. You can't, this band can't play here anymore. Um, and then, you know, they try and, and set up a relationship with another venue and then there's, there's friction, there's trouble, mm-hmm. um, which I, I'm not, I don't think is, is very cool. Um, well, I agree with the sentiment that, um, bands should not overexpose themselves in, in the same market. Um, it just seems like most venues can't afford to take those kinds of stands. Yeah. You know, if, if I had, if I had a, a venue say that to me, uh, I would, I would be, I would have no hesitation to go, well, then I need a minimum guarantee of X number of, uh, gigs over the next period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, there've been times I have, um, I've actually had a conversation with one venue that was about, um, offering them kind of regional exclusive, like they'd be our downtown Winston venue like our named official one and mm-hmm. um but i would need uh i would need to have like i'd need to have them booked out for a year in advance and i would need double pay yeah um well, they didn't end up taking that but but um but that's kind of where i would come to it if somebody really wanted me to curtail my sales machine yeah right i would just need to be compensated for that and I, you know if they were willing to compensate me for that god bless i'm all for it yeah um as far as i know these guys are not making any special deal they're just making this demand yeah um which doesn't seem now so for me <laughs> you know where i come into this conversation about this particular place personally um the dude who books for that is uh notorious for not being in communication not returning emails i have emailed him you know or information I don't know, three, four times over the last year and not heard a word from him. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, well, um, God bless. He's leaving, you know, he's, he is forcing bands to leave gigs that I'm going to go pick up. Yeah. I, I you know, I've, I've kind of said, I, I now have basically no interest in playing those places. Um, partially cause I'm not going to drop dates that I have on the books. Um, 
at places, you know, competitors. I mean, that, that was his thing. He, he looked at, um, the bands he was booking and told them, right, you have to cancel this date and this date and this date out there that you have booked already. No. And, um, and yeah, or you don't play my places anymore. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, for me, for me, you know, even if all the rest of it was workoutable, that mm-hmm. crosses the line for me. That's yeah. For, yeah. for them to demand that you, you know, you screw up relationships with other groups just to start one or maintain one with them is, uh, yeah. is no bueno. Um, now we definitely have partnerships with certain venues that are not quote unquote exclusive, but you know, if we are playing in a certain part of town, we are more than likely playing at those venues. Mm -hmm. Um, but they have never, we've never been in a position where they're like, you can't play here. You have to play with us. Um, that's just, again, if if you are a venue and you are going to make that kind of stance, you better be able to back it up uh, and support those bands. Cause otherwise um, you're, you're wasting your time. You're burning bridges unnecessarily. You are giving up influence. There you go. Whoa. Call back. Ooh, it all comes full circle. <laughs> I love it. Um, that's good. That's good. <sighs> venue owners. Venue owners. I, I understand. Mean, you know, I get it. It makes it makes me think about, you know, if we musicians, if we cover bands could unionize in some way and just protect ourselves against this kind of thing. Well, now we're gonna have all the socialists emailing us. Can you just pick a pick a side of the of the of the deal to stay on? <laughs> I look, I'm I'm uh uh no, no. Uh right, no, it's fine. No, I can't. I can't. Now I mean union yeah, I mean the the problem with where most people are is that, you know, there is a musician's union, but most people can't afford to join it because um, most places, you know, are, don't recognize it unless you're, you know, you're up, you're up our, you're higher up in the echelon. Um, yeah. Oh, it's, it's not for us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. There's a, there's a barrier of entry. It's just like SAG or any of those other ones. Mm-hmm. AFTRA. Right. Right. Good stuff. Well, oh, well, that's what I need. That's, you know, that's what I got. Yeah. I mean, that's, I feel like that's, that's a good, uh, stopping point. We'll do a little shorter than we normally do. Uh, as always, thank you for your continued support. Uh, share this with your friends and bandmates, like subscribe and, uh, rate on the, uh, podcast platform of your choice. Uh, we are on all the major platforms, including Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. So uh, thanks again for checking in and we will call it for this week from Atlanta, Georgia. This is Adam Johnson. Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Dan Ray. You've been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, episode 22. Have a good week.